They'll take all of your worldly possessions and put them out on the street curb off of the actual property and change the locks and the bank owns your house. It is probably the most heartbreaking thing I have ever seen. And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you doing today? Thank you so much for listening, and I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 92 of the Chris and Christine Show. Just another fantastic week in the books. It definitely is. It's it's starting to get really hot down here in San Diego, though, isn't it? Yeah, we are middle of June right now, which is when the uh, air conditioning, like today, we actually had to kick it on, and uh, now we're actually using the air conditioning. Yeah, we are. We're um, trying to cool it down over here because I think we almost hit triple digits today. Uh, it was like high 90s or something like that? Yeah, it, it was right around that today, but uh, thanks for not complaining about the fact that we were able to turn the air conditioning on because... If you all remember, if you listen back to episodes from last summer, Chris complains about the air conditioner all the time. But why is everything different this year, Chris? Uh, because we are running on an all brand new HVAC system, including an air conditioning unit and the big fan that goes on the outside. And we got one of those new thermostat little doohickeys where you can like type in the temperature and all that stuff against the wall. That's all brand new. Yeah. And it's fancy because when you bought this house, it had the original HVAC system from the 1980s. But, you know, based off of the floods of last, the <laughs> the floods of 2020, the year that is not to be mentioned ever again, uh, we were able to get a whole new unit. And so it was very nice to not have to worry about, like, if it was going to break on the day that we tried to use it, because that was always the worry last year is, is it like going to be working too hard? Can it keep up? Is it going to die? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny when I bought this house, you, you, when you always buy a house, you always get what's called a home inspection. And the home inspector actually um, came through here. And one of his notes said the HVAC system has gone beyond its life cycle. Please budget for a new one. He wrote that in the notes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, OK, well, I'll get to it when I get to it. And of course, you know, I, I, it took an act of a flood to actually get the thing replaced. But uh, I was looking to get a new AC unit anyways. So, uh, but here we are with the new AC and it's yep. running right now. Well, actually, not right now. It's running. It's at night, but we ran all day today. I think it was our first full day using the AC unit, wasn't it? Um, no, we used it a couple of other times because when we got it, it was right in the middle of that heat wave, that really bad heat wave. And so um, when they finished installing it, I think we ran it that day. We had to run it to get all of the like chemical smells like out of the system and all of that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah. Anyways, I'm very excited that we were able to cool down the house today because when I first moved in here, I was so nervous. Like, well, because I was here last summer before we got married and I was I was always sweating and it was like so hot. And I'd be like, I really want to put the AC on. And if you know anything about me, you know that I hate to sweat and I hate to be hot and I love to be cool when I'm sleeping and like living in this house with a uh, Scrooge as it comes to the air Wait conditioner. A you know what's funny? No, you know what? It's, it's always hotter upstairs. It's like a good ten degrees hotter upstairs 
than it is downstairs. So downstairs where the thermostat sits, it may be 75, but actually reality, it's like 85 upstairs. In fact, I got to get a thermometer to put up here. We actually can see what the real temperature is up here. Yeah, but you know what's different with the new system is it actually pumps really well up here. So it's been staying pretty cool. So that was really nice today. And we just have um, like... Uh, not floor fans, but like a box fan and an oscillating fan to kind of keep the cool air moving around. We're just learning our new rhythm of how these how these people with functioning ACs keep the <laughs> air moving. <laughs> oh, and to pay for those extremely high power bills, the very first thing I did was I bought solar for this house because the first air conditioning bill I got my first summer I lived here, it was so crazy, outrageous. I just Googled solar power companies in, in the area to help, and I called a few places and, and I had a guy, and he came out and installed panels and all that stuff, so... Because that first bill was outrage. I, I didn't expect to be that high when I got the first bill. What did you expect it to be? You live in California, dude. We're well, in a desert. I, I came from an apartment, which also had central air. And it was upstairs. I figured it's probably be about that, <laughs> I, I would guess. You know, what I paid over there. Did so. you? Were you living in like a 500 square foot apartment and you expected your 13, no, 1,700 square foot like, house to be the same? It was like a 1,000. There was a 1,000 square foot, but it was upstairs too. And it was hot too. So it was close by here. And I figured it would be. But you had an upstairs only unit. You weren't. You weren't cooling or heating two floors right does that, yeah. make, does that make a difference yes of course it makes a difference it's like twice the landscape uh, but well. that's why i favor single story houses because it's it's much easier to get the air to move it's much easier to keep it from getting way too hot that's why that plus hauling laundry is so much easier in a single story house. Well, a lot of these newer ones, they'll put the laundry unit upstairs. Yes. So that's not a problem. But I don't mind going up downstairs and stuff like that. Except I know, when I overload my laundry basket like I did today and you're like about to break your back. I know. Carrying the thing down was like carrying back. Dude, were those clothing, was all that clothing wet for some reason? Because it felt no. very heavy. No. Like, like it was watered. It was weighted down. Or maybe, what are you saying about my clothes, or maybe dude? You have, maybe, you have, maybe you have we have lead in your clothing. Is that what it is? You're so rude. Lead lead pants, maybe. Yes, because <laughs> you know every girl wants to make themselves heavier by their clothing. That's exactly what I do. Is that, oh wow, well, okay. I didn't know it's a thing. It's a thing. I don't know. No. How would I know? Hey, no. by the way, if we sound a little differently on these uh, this episode today, Christy's doing the uh, mocking me signal over there. Is that because I just bought brand new microphones for this podcast? We are using the Rode Pod mics. This is our first test drive with these microphones on this podcast. So if you like the way this sounds, that's because this is what happened. So what Chris is saying is whether you hear a difference or not, email him and tell him or message him on Instagram and Facebook and tell him how much better it sounds today because he just put a whole big wad of cash into upgrading the, the microphones. You know what's funny? These microphones weren't that much more expensive than the ones we already have. The ones we have, um, they were... Yeah, these are maybe like, I don't know, maybe 10 or $20 more. Maybe at the same price. You and your shiny objects. Well, I wanted the podcasting Always microphones. better. Well, these ones are supposed to be for radio broadcast and broadcast use, so for podcasting exclusively. So why not use the microphones designed for that thing? It's like you would not, uh, I don't know, use a butter knife to cut a steak, right? Um, I do it sometimes well, if, if it guess, works. If, if you have to, but you prefer to use a steak knife. Yeah, whatever's easiest, whatever I can grab. So okay. I appreciate you doing all of the research for us and keeping us running. Uh, but one thing that I do know, you were talking about these being more for radio. 
I think that if we were radio hosts and had to do a daily radio show, I might legitimately die. Why? I don't think I could do this every day. I could. I know you could. You love to listen to yourself. <laughs> I do. You don't love I? the sound of your voice. And then you listen to our podcast like 17 times through the week. I do. Speaking of which, Chris and I had a little disagreement earlier this week. Actually, it might have just been two days ago. And it's interesting how your words can come back to haunt you. So if you have been listening, then you know that Chris and I are getting ready to launch into our first ever couplecation or couples vacation well, actually it's our very since, first we, since we've been married go ahead it's our you very can interrupt me you it, always do it's our very first international trip ever well together right right well, yes so we are getting ready to go on our but our first trip like flying since we've been married we haven't actually traveled anywhere in an airplane since we got married right because no, our, uh, yeah, our, it's true. Our oh. honeymoon was local, local, and right. so we're getting ready to go on this trip. And um, Chris, what did you reach out and ask me on Thursday night while you were working? I well, because only because you said in well, a previous no, 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 just ask me what you asked me. I and said, then we're what are go we into it? What are we taking to this trip on our flight down to Mexico? No, that's not what you asked. I you said, said specifically. I said, are we podcasting <laughs> down there? Are we podcasting while we're on vacation? Because I have the tools to do it. And, I was asking her, I was, and I, he's like scheming and like uh, I wasn't scheming. Yes. I was just making sure. Are we going to podcast while we're in Mexico? And I said, heck no. This is a vacation. This is my graduation trip. No, we are not podcasting while we are on vacation. And then what did you say to me? I said, okay. I and no, no, no. And I said, I already told you on Sunday night. Oh, no, and you Monday said, night. Hold you on, said, hold on, hold on. Let me tell you what I said by text. I said, I already told you either on Sunday or Monday night, because I was having a little bit of a meltdown. I said that I needed to have a little bit of a rest. And you said, okay. But then what happened? This is talking about the power podcast. What happened, Chris? I'm trying to think now. I I know that I know that you said in a previous episode, uh, a previous episode, ladies. You said about the PodTrack P4 toy I have. You said, "Oh, can we like pod take us down to Mexico <gasps> and podcast with it?" And I said, "Yeah, we can." Then it got me thinking. Dun, did, dun, did, dun. did Christine really want me to do that? Well, if she does, I need to be. I need to find a way to pack the stuff. I and need to get an extra why. bag, and I'm thinking like, what? I need to pack this microphone. Maybe if I bring three microphones, and then maybe I should bring my okay, phone. Okay, okay, pause. And then see, this is where it gets out of hand, ladies. Ladies, listen. Never let your husband record you because he'll use your words against you. Because what Chris said is when I kept I said, don't you remember I was having my little bit of a breakdown because I was a bit overwhelmed and I said that I just needed to have a break and I needed to just like come up for air for a couple of weeks. And I said, don't you remember you saying, OK. And then what did you say to me, Chris? I just mentioned the podcast. And you said, well, you did say it. And I said, I don't remember it. And you said, what were those words? I will find that co- clip. I will save that let clip. Let me play it back for you. <laughs> right. And let me play it back for you so you hear yourself. Dun, dun, dun. But baby, listen, I will do whatever makes you happy. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. That's okay. I, just I want a vacation. I, I just want to be very clear. So the day of, I'm not rushing to find put something together, you know, like, oh, I need this and that yeah. and this and that. I, I, although I do wait till the last minute to pack my stuff, unfortunately. And because I was just curious, do I need if I need to bring 
extra like gear when it comes to like okay, okay. I want to make sure a- I, everybody I, so understands. I they get bag it. And all okay, that stuff. they okay. get it. Well, I'm sorry that I no no no. What I'm up. saying is. The power of podcasting is, and I was talking about how you like to listen to your own voice. You do love to listen to our episodes over and over and over again, which means that what's funny to me is I can tell you something on like a Sunday or a Monday night and you be on the same page as me. But when you go back and listen to the podcast, sometimes I think that people forget that it was like, or you forget, like it was recorded before other conversations. And so everything gets jumbled up. Uh, leads to miscommunications. And so all that to say, our friends, before we go on with anything else, is that next week when you do listen, we will have an episode for you, but it's going to be a little bit of a different type of an episode because Chris and I are choosing to take the week off so that we can enjoy each other's company while we are on vacation. And it's kind of like a second honeymoon, right? Although we're going to be with your parents. But in a separate area. Oh, I thought we were sleeping in the same room. What? No. Oh, I had no, no idea. Everybody, I had no idea. We have our own condo area. Oh, I thought we were like all sharing a room. What? No. Oh, wow. No. Crazy. We have our own room, our own bathroom, okay. our own area. Okay, 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 fine. And, and we're going to do some excursions and things, but Ooh, you, fantastic. And I, you and I are going to get but to hey, go adventure on our can own, I, can too. I, can I bring my GoPro or GoPros? You don't and get have a, to ask me. Get all that stuff. Get excited, like videotape stuff and put I'm, something on our you website. You don't have to ask me. Okay. Oh, I will. Well, trust me. I will put together a cool little video. You always do. Well, yeah, I haven't used the I GoPro. I love them. Oh, do you really? I will make a GoPro video montage of our trip as soon as I can get the GoPros up and running. I got to probably charge those too. So. Okay. Everybody doesn't need to be into every little decision that you make about the, the trip. <laughs> but thank you so much for keeping us in the loop. But, you know, with all of that, Chris, I know that we're kind of a little bit further on than we normally are in our intro, but I'd love to hear how your week is going. Uh, my week is going actually pretty good good i um you know went to work all week i was kind of struggling at work yesterday because i was just wasn't i think i had a case of the fridays you know when you have cases of fridays you're just not feeling it and you just kind of want to just like get over with it and be done with it and be on to the weekend you're just no. drained out and this weather it's really kind of it was cool for like a minute but now it's starting to get back hot again and i think i got allergies and stuff like that but enough of that craziness so my work week has been fine you know and um, next week i'm on vacation with you i only work work two days next week yes so you do. um two day work week which i think is a perfect didn't you just come off a of vacation you know, everybody says that at work they say don't you just come off vacation i say yes seriously, I seriously did. didn't you just come off a of vacation i think so this is gonna be a mini it's gonna be a half vacation chris not a full vacation chris but a half vacation chris well you're getting thursday and friday off That's but half. i guess i am too i get thursday friday and monday and you don't work Mondays, so we're just going for a long weekend. Right. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. How many days is that? We leave on Thursday. We come back Monday. Crazy. So we'll have three full days there, and that'll be plenty. We'll do like an excursion and then do shopping and souvenir shopping and laying on the beach and... I'm going to go snorkeling. Ooh, and by the way, be on the lookout on social media for me to blast you guys with all kinds of goodies from our vacation. Yes, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you had a decent week and I'm glad that you get to have a short week coming up. My week was, I mean, it was pretty uneventful. I just kept myself busy doing some things around the house. But the exciting thing is that in the mail today, I got my official degree from USC. Woo-hoo, fantastic, baby. Dr. Christine, officially in the house. I've got the papers to prove it. People. Oh, I, I can see that. Yeah. I know. I'm super excited. Oh, but one thing I did do on Tuesday is um, two of my friends from my cohort at USC. We all took a personal day and we hired a photographer and we drove up and met at USC. 
And we took our graduation photos on campus and we like spread out a picnic blanket and enjoyed just it was like shady and um, like meaning like there's trees, not shady, but there was shade <laughs> and the, the campus was super quiet and we got to take a ton of photos and we had a really lovely photographer named Marcy. And as soon as we get those photos, I'll start posting them. But it was a really fun day. You know, graduation photos are kind of a big deal when you get your doctorate, but I was stressing out trying to get them done before graduation with everything being so like COVID-y, like COVID restrictions and things are starting to get a little bit clearer as to like being able to go on campuses again. And USC has a process now for online students to be able to come on campus. And so we just stayed on campus for like four and a half hours and we had unlimited time with the photographer. And then afterwards, my friends, Lana and Aaron and I, went into downtown LA to this amazing restaurant called Wakano. Wait, say that again. Walk like, like a walk right. that you cook in, Kano. So it's kind of like Volcano, but Wakano. Oh, I love that. Play on words. I love it. Yeah, it was really fun. And we ordered so much food. We didn't eat it all. But we had such a great time. And then Erin and I had carpooled from Anaheim up. So I took her home and then I came home. I was so exhausted at the end of the day. But... I had so much fun, honey. I even took the leftover champagne bottles that we had from our wedding because we had three bottles left. And we even did those kinds of photos where you pop off the cork of the champagne and then you shake up the bottle and you spray it everywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was so fun. Oh, that sounds awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I had such a blast with them. And so it was a bit of a shorter work week. I am back in the office two days a week now. But yeah, it's definitely been interesting. You know, it's it seems like everything's starting to reopen and, you know, people are talking about uh, next week. I think it's like on Tuesday that California completely reopens and, um, you know, things are going to start changing. And I've been reading a lot of articles lately about how we're in this um, huge recovery. Like the economy is people are talking about, even though there's like a need for workers and things like that, but the economy is booming and, you know, just it, it kind of, feels eerie to me. It just feels like it was right before the housing market crashed back in, what was it, like 2008? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that we're going to have another housing bubble burst soon? I, you know, the experts do say potentially that we could have one on the the rise. And I know that interest rates are low, gas prices are high, home prices are high. You know, I checked the house price on the value of this house pretty regularly. And I noticed that it's going up and up and up. I think... I think it's gone up so much since when I bought it. But the thing is, it looks good on paper. But when you try to like, go, if I were to go sell this place, I would need a place to physically live in. And, you? Just you? Well, I'm, we all would. Yeah, thank and, you. And I'm saying is that like, whether you go for an apartment, rents are super expensive right now. Right. And then, and if you were to buy another house, houses are expensive too. So you're kind of like, even though it looks good, you got all this money in the, in the equity so far, it you can't really, uh, you know, use it really. Right. Well, Thank you so much for that perspective, Chris. And we have an expert that is on the show that's going to talk to us a little bit more about this exact topic related to the housing market. She is an expert in the area, and we're going to have her on the show right after this. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Bruch. Now, Bruch is an electric toothbrush that will change the way you think about brushing your teeth with powerful sonic technology and ultra gentle bristles. The Bruch redefines what it means to have super clean teeth. It's like that feeling when you first leave the dentist, a fresh whole mouth clean every single day. Our listeners get 15% off total purchase with code POD15. Follow the link in the show notes and enter the code POD15 to get your exclusive discount and upgrade your oral care routine. And welcome back, everybody. Today, we have a VIP guest that we are very, very excited for. She went from working to make ends meet to working it out in real estate investing. She is a podcaster and author. Welcome to the show, Dwan Bent Twyford. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me on the show. I'm so excited. Hey, is it Dwan? Does that pronounce it right? That's right, Duan. Yep. Ooh, I love that. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, Duan, thank you so much for showing up today. Where in this wonderful world are you uh, joining us from today? Well, today I'm at my home in Colorado. I live in the mountains outside Denver at 9,000 feet. So I literally live in the woods in the mountains. In the sticks, huh? <laughs> in the sticks. No, my, my road is a dirt road. I am literally... In the sticks in the forest. <laughs> Do you own a Jeep or four-wheel drive pickup truck? Heck yeah. We have Jeeps. We have four-wheel drives. We actually have uh, lots of ATVs. We have dirt bikes. Uh, if, if, if you can own it, we have it. That's so fun. I love going out on those types of uh, things and like going through the wilderness, but I always get nervous about driving like quads and things like that in the forest versus like the dunes where it's all sand. You don't uh -huh. have to worry about like you know, running across a bear if or fall, something. If you fall off, you fall off <laughs> that thing on the dunes, you just land on the sand. sand yeah, you, versus like yeah. in a, a rock or, or, or yeah, a, a mountain river. lion's mouth or something. Oh, <laughs> well, you guys will appreciate this. We live, uh, so we're, we're in a town called Bailey and you know, it's like dirt roads and stuff, but down the road about five miles, there is a giant, like a 10 mile track for people that want to ride ATVs. Oh, fun. And it's called Slaughterhouse. Oh, oh slaughterhouse! Like the first time I went, I thought, mm, "Slaughterhouse, really? I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> that and sounds I went crazy. The whole thing, and it was half of it was terrifying, and half of it was so fun. Oh my goodness, that sounds crazy! So, are you like in the middle of a forest area? Mm, yeah, we're just you know basically at the in the Rocky Mountains, at the top of the mountains, and uh, so everyone that lives up here, we have ten acres. And everyone that lives up here, you know, you just have like trees, 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 trees. And then, you know, they notch out a place where your house goes. So pretty much everything you see is just, you know, mountaintops and treetops. And it's it's a very, very beautiful view where we're at. We just, we really have a great house, just 9,000 feet, like at the top of the peak. It's beautiful. So if you're out so far out in the sticks, uh, what about your water supply? Is it brought in through like a, is it a well or how's that work? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We have well, we have gas. So, and that was a new thing for me because when I um, met my husband, Bill, we've been married 19 years now. And I, yeah, I know. Woohoo. I, I know y'all just got married. So, woohoo. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's, it's, you know, marriage is awesome. You married the right person. Marriage is a wonderful thing. Yeah. I, I was living in Florida and my husband was living here in Colorado. And I said, well, you know, I, I'm really a beach girl. I don't really want to give up. 
Florida, but if we can keep both houses and go back and forth, you know, I can do it. So Florida, of course, I'm in a subdivision. So you have, you know, the trash people come, you know, uh, the water, everything is with the city. And I come up here, we have septic tanks, we have our own well, everything's on gas. So you should have seen me trying to learn how to cook on a gas stove. Oh my God. (laughs) Everything I burned for like two months, everything I cooked was like just burned. Well, it's a house still standing. It's not like you burned it down, right? <laughs> oh, my! I remember when I married my husband, he had two children. So my stepson was only 11. And we were just married like two months. And just one day he looks at me. He's like, Mom, he goes, you're just not a good cook, are you? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like, Mom hasn't figured out how to use a gas stove. I've never used one in my entire life. So it definitely was a learning curve. Well, speaking uh, living of which, up here, and the main thing up here that I miss from you know the city is you know there's no Instacart, you can't get food oh, delivered. We're in the mountains. That was my question. I was going to ask you: You do get food delivery out there? I mean, no, nope, no food delivery anywhere. Can you order we pizza? We have to, I mean, we can pizza? order it and run down and get it, but then no delivery. How close are you to the nearest like town or gas station? Oh, well, our our little town has a gas station. So when you drive out of our subdivision, it, it's like 20 minutes. I mean, it's it's not around the corner. It's 20 minutes to the gas station. And this is so funny because, you know, I'm in Florida. I'm, you know, everything in the world's in Delray Beach, Florida. And uh, I called one of my friends. I said, listen, they put a subway in the gas station up here. Oh, my God, we have a subway. And I was so <laughs> excited. <laughs> I was just like. There's fast food within like 20 minutes of my house. I was so excited to get a subway. <laughs> oh, that reminds me so much. I grew up in a small town, um, Alpine, up here in San Diego suburbs area. Mm-hmm. And um, when I lived there, we had one stoplight in the entire town. And we had a Carl's Jr., which is, a, I think, Hardee's on your guys' mm-hmm. house. And then we had like taco shops, which is like uh, ta- like Mexican food, like fast food Mexican food. Like one uh-huh. of those. So every day it was either Carl's Jr. or Mexican food. Well, your choice. You had nothing else to choose from. That's all we had. Yeah, that's it. We have a Chinese restaurant in town. We have a little breakfast kind of diner thing. But this year, uh, up there by our, our big gas station and our big subway, they put a couple food trucks in. So we have a Mexican food truck Ooh. and a couple. And I mean, good, like good, a barbecue. Like, mm, mm-hmm. so I'm so excited. <laughs> I've got some food choices. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, so you moved from Florida to Colorado and you went from living in a subdivision to living on all this land. How did that feel for you? Well, so I still have the house in Florida. I do six months, six months. So, uh, but when I first moved up here, it you know it's dark, and I'm not a camping kind of a person. <laughs> in the beginning, I was terrified to go outside at night. I was afraid a bear was going to eat me, uh, <laughs> and, and it was quiet. It was so quiet. I was like, oh my god, who can sleep in all this quiet? Because in Florida, you hear the cars, the ambulance, the site, like you hear things in the background. And I had a hard time learning how to sleep up here because it is dead quiet and it is dark in the mountains. And I hear like a howling in the background. Like, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's how, how a lot of true crime podcasts start that we just said. It's like it was completely silent and out of Thank- the depths of the darkness. A screech came. It is exactly. I told my husband, like, oh my God, this is, we live in those places where the forensic files people like come and kill you because (laughs) no one will find you for a week because you live so far into the woods. (laughs) So it took me, I mean, for the first year, 
if I had to go out, come home, like, and it was after dark, I would make my husband walk out to the car and walk me in the house. Oh, yeah. I've been there. I get that. <laughs> it was like, it's too dark up here. So now we have lights all over. Light, you know, so now the house looks like, you know, a fancy restaurant with those lights hanging everywhere and like, everything hooked up to the trees. It's just like daylight outside. So I'm like, okay. Now I can come in out of the house at night. <laughs> so it's so funny that you mentioned this because one of the things that Chris and I love doing on, you know, the weekends or the evenings uh -huh. that we do have together when he's not working is we sit and we look at Zillow and we look at like different houses that are coming up for sale around us. And his mom sent us this one that's like, I don't know, it was gigantic, like six or 7,000 square feet out on the edge of town near a golf course. But, you huh? know, Chris works four or five nights a week. And when the kids aren't home, it's just me by myself. And I said to him, like, it's on the edge of this land. Like, there's kind of like a canyon on the backside. And uh -huh. I said the same thing. I was like, somebody will kill me. Like, this is the <laughs> this is the perfect setup for some kind of murder mystery movie. It, it reminded me of the house, like the, the, the Man Manson murder house. Oh, my gosh. And you yeah. wanted to buy it? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. It's on sale. And my husband, you know, the house is up here. We're at 9,000 feet. So people don't have air conditioning up here. Because even in the dead of the summer, it never gets hot this high in the mountains. Oh, okay. So the first couple of weeks, my husband was like sleeping with the bedroom doors open to the patio. I was like, uh, hello, <laughs> a bear or a mountain lion can just walk right in through that screen door. We're not sleeping with the doors open. Oh, wow. And so it, it, <laughs> uh, it took some getting used to. But now I'm like, windows open, things wide open. I leave stuff open at night. I don't even think twice about it now. Well, you know, with this other one, I was able to kind of dodge a bullet because, well, I think it was a bullet. When it comes to real estate, Chris and I are always trying to figure out, like, is this a house that's worth investing in? Because, you know, he has this house that we own together now, and it's had lots of, like, water flooding issues. But he saw this house, and it had just dropped right under a million dollars, and it was like... Uh -huh. Over 6,000, 7,000 square feet. I don't think it was that big. Was oh, it? yes. It was gigantic. It had two wings to it. And it had like parking in the garage for five vehicles and another 12 and a Ooh. circle driveway. And Speak of my love language. A jacuzzi tub and a pool and all of this stuff. But Take it. <laughs> that's what I was like. But, you know, it was built so long ago, Chris. Like, I don't know if it's a worthy investment. So we're so excited to have you on the show to talk with us today about your professional background, because I hear you're a bit of a, a rock star in the area of real estate investment. Well, thank you. Well, I'll give you a tip. If you do move to something that's on the outskirts, get dogs. <laughs> like big ones? We have a little one. Oh, She's five pounds. No, 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 no. People that live up here, like I have two dogs. One is a, a Newfoundland. He weighs 175 pounds. Wow. That's a person. <laughs> yeah. And I have a great Pyrenees and she weighs about 60. But they, I have no neighbors. There are no neighbors up here. Nobody doesn't have at least two big dogs. Um, just in case of a, a bear or a mountain lion might come through the subdivision, um, you know, they would attack one dog, but they will never attack two. So oh. every neighbor I have has, has at least two or five. Some people have up to five, which is, you know, this is a little bit too many dogs for me. But um, no, the dogs, having dogs, you know, they'll protect you. So that's you know, the secret. Once I got the dogs, I was like, ah, I'm fine leaving everything wide open all the time. And here's a little tip on that dog thing. If you don't have a dog, what you can do, which we have in our house, <laughs> is you can get the 
beware of dog signs. But a bear doesn't read and, that. And, and, and get, and well, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the criminals, you know. You get the beware of dog sign. Get the one that's really vicious with a dog picture. It's like drooling with fangs. That dog, you put that sign up on your front gate, even if you don't have a dog, just kind of like scare the intruders. You know, it's so funny. I told my husband, I said, listen, I want you to make me a sign this summer. And we have a big front gate. So I'm going to hang this out on the, the front gate that said, uh, if you're planning to rob my house, this is a body bag. Bring it with you because you're going to need it on the way out. <laughs> or, or the ones where owners got a gun kind of sign on the front window. You seen those ones too? Oh, yeah. Well, I was even thinking of developing a new security system where it's like the motion sensor cameras, but when the motion sensor is triggered, that it has like a dog, like a vicious dog barking. So it's like whenever the motion detector at nighttime is activated, it'll do like that. You know, really? Like, well, it kind of reminded me, I had this invention I thought of a long time ago, was that if you didn't want to be bothered at home, and when the doorbell rang, you just rigged the, the doorbell sound to change it into like a shotgun pumping. <laughs> <laughs> I would totally own that. If you invent that, I will be your first buyer. <laughs> it, it only works. So if the police come by and do a well check, I don't know if it's going to work out too well. <laughs> I did a shotgun. Oh, my gosh. That is hilarious. I would totally have one of those. Well, thank you so much for entertaining our little uh, real estate story, but we would love to know more about you and your background, Dwan. Like, how did you even get started in real estate investing? Well, you know, it's funny the way I started because I, I wasn't really looking to be a real estate investor. Like a lot of people listening and, you know, they're looking to become real estate investors. I had gotten married and I had my daughter when I was 30 and, you know, like I personally purposefully waited to have my child a little bit older and I thought I'd stay home and kind of be the Girl Scout mom and the homeroom mom and the field trip mom and, you know, do all those super fun things. And when my daughter was only eight months old, her dad and I um, split up. So now I'm an eight-month-old baby and I really don't have any job skills. I'm, you know, I'm 30 years old now and I was like, oh my Lord, what am I going to do? And I just made a decision. I know it's really weird. That I made this decision. I thought, you know, I waited this long to do all those fun things with her. So I don't want to put her in daycare and I don't want to work and not be able to do these things that I've been planning for forever. You know, the homerooms, the cookies, the, right. all the field trip, all the stuff. So I thought, I'm going to figure out a way and I'm going to work for myself. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Now, mind you, I have no job skills. I have no expertise in working for myself. I just decided I was going to make that happen. Wow. And so now this is, you know, so this isn't dating myself right here. This is over 30 years ago. She's 32 now. So 30 years ago, we did not have the internet. We did not have, we didn't even have pagers yet. We, I did not even have, pagers weren't even out there what, yet. What's a pager? For those <laughs> kids, you may not know. Oh my gosh. I don't even know. Some little thing that beeps like, you know, someone wants to talk to you and then you got to stop at one of those nasty pay phones and call them what they want. It's like, what was that? Did so, you get my page? Did you get my page? <laughs> <laughs> so none of those things existed, you know? And uh, so anyway, the only way you could find any kind of a job or any kind of anything was in the classified section of the newspapers. So I'm looking in the classified section and I'm looking, there's all kinds of things that say work from home, you know, stuff envelopes, work from home, do this, work from home, make phone calls, work from home. So I'm looking at all these different things and I start going to 
some of these interviews, but they're like massive and, you know, a hundred people show up and they tell you what it is. And, you know, basically it's a lot of multi-level marketing and stuff like oh, that. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. A lot. That was so big in like the 80s and the 90s. Lord have mercy. And so I started seeing some of the same people going to all these different meetings. I started talking to these two guys and they said, oh, yeah, we buy houses and we fix them up and we sell them and we buy cars. And we fix them up and we sell them. Oh, wow. So I thought, okay, I don't know anything about cars. I don't really know a lot about houses, but if you can fix it up and sell it. So so my mind, my mind heard decorate. <laughs> you can decorate. And, and I thought, well, I have excellent taste. I'm a good decorator. I can totally decorate houses. That is what I'm going to do. So I'm like, well, how do I find these houses? And they said, well, you drive down to the courthouse and... You know, Palm Beach County in Florida, you handwrite all the addresses. You got to use that big old horrible uh, map book that was like the death of me and, <laughs> and drive to these houses. So I would go door knocking and take my daughter with me. And I found a woman that, you know, finally agreed to work after, you know, a couple weeks of door knocking. I found a woman that's like, yeah, I'll work with you. And her house, and I did not know what this was at the time, but she was a hoarder. Oh, gosh. I had never Ugh. seen it, but I had never been in a house like that. And I did not know what that, I did not know what a hoarder was actually until those TV shows came on. Oh. And the first time I saw one, I was like, oh my gosh, that was the first house I did. She was a hoarder. <laughs> so much stuff in that house. It was shocking to me. Anyway, so we make this deal. And, you know, the funny thing is, we don't even have the right paperwork. I don't really know enough about what I'm doing. I just know that she's going to sign a sales contract. We make a verbal agreement. She's going to move out. I'm going to move in. I'm going to fix it. We're going to split the profit. So we make this giant profit sharing, like something that you would normally paper to death. Uh-huh. With pretty much a hug and a handshake and a sales contract. Oh, wow. And so I move in and I order custom made blinds. I get the carpet put. I paint the house. And I'm like, well, the house is decorated, but wow, it really looks really bad. And it needs a kitchen, it needs bathrooms, and it needs this, and it needs that. And so now I recognize when they said we buy houses and we fix them up, that did not mean decorating. Oh, wow. <laughs> not just a coat of paint and a, and a new doorknob. Yeah. That's what I did. I put it in paint and I and I put in some nice carpet. I even had custom made blinds. I got some plants. You know, I hung some pictures and I was just like, man, they're, they're <laughs> I wouldn't buy this house. Ah, so at that point, I'm talking to my dad one day. I was like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. I like, I have no money to do this. I'm living on credit cards. I have no idea what to do. And uh, so someone was like, hey, Home Depot offers how-to classes. Oh. And I thought, oh, I could do that. You know, I'm pretty sharp. I can learn things. I'll go do that. So I went to, I started going to Home Depot and taking classes. And I took a class on how to lay tile and then, and it's crazy as it is, I took a class on how to lay tile. And instead of starting in the bathroom someplace small, I decided I was going to tile the entire kitchen. Oh, wow. First, first, my first job, the whole kitchen. <laughs> That's crazy. Ah, but it looked really good. It really, I have to admit, it really, I was really stunned. I was like, oh, so I'm a little OCD about stuff. So like every little spacer was in just right. Like, it was really nice. It was lava. It looked, it actually looked really good. And then I um, took some more classes and I put in toilets and I took some more classes. I learned how to build cabinets. So uh, at night when my daughter would be sleeping, I'd be building cabinets and screens for the windows. And 
I literally rehabbed this house mostly by myself. Wow. And, and when I sold it, I made 22000 bucks. Wow. Was that a lot back then in those days? Well, 22000 bucks is a lot today, but 32 years ago, I was like, oh my God, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. <laughs> in 1990, and I'm like, I'm rich, I've got, ni- got $22,000 in the bank, like all at one time. It was the most amount of money I'd ever had. Wow. And it was the most amount of money I'd ever seen at that point in my life. And I was like, holy cow, I did all this and I was with my daughter and I've got $22,000 and I know kind of how to fix things up again. I'm going to do it again. And so I moved into another one. So I actually moved in and would fix them up. I did that till she started kindergarten. Oh, wow. So So would you live in the house while you're fixing it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would move into it, rehab it, because I just didn't have the money to like rent over here and live there. Right. And then rehab over here and, you know, had those payments and things like that. So I would move in and I would do the master bedroom first. I would do the master first and then she would sleep in there with me and then I would work on the rest of the house. So, you know, she'd be playing and hanging out with her friends and uh, I'd be working on stuff and I'd work on stuff when she went to sleep. And and I just kept moving until she started kindergarten. Mm -hmm. At that point, I was rehabbing a house in Boca Raton, Florida. That was really a nice house. I decided to keep it. Oh. So, so we lived in Boca for a while. But then I'd done, I had five or six deals under my belt and I had a little bit of money. So now I could hire a crew to work on like a house over there while I was living in this one. And I could do like two houses at a time. And I just started, you know, working up from there. And I could do three houses at a time. And then I could do four houses at a time. And I just kept building it until, you know, I had money. <laughs> so what what would be a good ideal turnaround time from the time you buy it to the time you sell it? You know, it really just depends, Chris, on how much work something needs. Now, for me back then, I was what, what I today call a cosmetic rehabber. And a cosmetic rehabber is someone that would put in like a kitchen, updated bathroom, like, like no real... No tearing out of walls, you know, nothing like that. Just a cosmetic. So on a cosmetic rehab, I mean, honestly, you could have a house done in 30, 30 to 45 days. It's it's not a big job. Um, but now, like with my husband, you know, we he also likes, but we mostly wholesale houses now because wholesaling, you, you get it under contract from the homeowner and then you sell it to a rehab or a landlord and you let them do all the work. So we are oh. primarily wholesalers. Uh, and we also, we bought a town in Iowa, so we have 20 Wait. buildings. So we're like rehabbing this giant, massive, we have this five-year project that we're undergoing right now. Wait, you bought a town? Like what? like in Shit's Creek? Like you bought a Creek. town? Oh, yeah. Like Shit's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that show, Shit's Creek. Oh, my gosh. I laugh so hard. That's my favorite show. But uh, you bought a town. Yeah. So my husband's from Clinton, Iowa. And his high school is really good about having reunions every five years. So we're going back every five years. And this and this is one of those very old towns on the riverfront. So it's in Clinton, Iowa. It's on the Mississippi River. It's right on the river. And, um, and in the day, it was like really bustly and like the JCPenney's and all the things were downtown. And, you know, it was like a big thing. But as the town grew... They started building, you know, out away from the downtown. Oh, and right. That's where they put the casino, and then they put a Walmart, and they put all the, you know, all the big shops, and everything is like away from the downtown. So what happens is these little downtowns just basically kind of get abandoned, 
Right. And so, uh, and but a lot of those little towns all across the whole entire United States, a lot of these little towns that are on like rivers or lakes or something, the city is doing a lot of rebeautification programs. So right. I said, well, let's go check out and see, you know, if Clinton, Iowa, see if they're, if they've got any money, if they're doing anything and maybe we'll buy a building, like <laughs> one. <laughs> so, so we talk to the, we find out who the downtown people are and we call her downtown Karen. We talk to downtown Karen. She says, oh, the downtown is three blocks wide and three blocks deep. So that's the official guidelines of being in the actual downtown. Well, come to find out, they have like $5 million in grant money. Oh, wow. And if you buy a building, you know, they'll put on anything on the outside. They'll put on like the new fascia. They'll put on a roof. They'll put give you windows. They, they'll do all kinds of things because they're trying to get it to be like a destination spot. Oh, okay. You know, when you guys go to like cute little towns and like everything's a restaurant, a little antique mall, and everyone's bustling all over the streets like that. That's kind oh, yeah. of what they're, they're trying to do there. So we were like, you know what? This is really great towns on the river. There's two or three other little towns. There's actually a town right next to it. I don't know if you know the show that's called Pickers. Yes. You know Pickers? I, yeah, I know that show. It's on the History Channel or Discovery Channel. One of those yeah, channels. Yeah, so Mike and uh, Frank, they're the antique archaeology guys. Well, they happen to be in the very next town over. Oh, wow. So we said, well, you know what? Let's go see what that town, because that town had also been complete ghost town. And just by having them there, the entire town now is full of uh, bed and breakfast and restaurants oh, and yeah. shopping. I mean, it's so bustly. You you can't even believe it because 10 years ago, it was like a ghost town like our little town was. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, so if they can they can do it like, you know, five miles over there, we can do that over here too. So, so we, <laughs> it's just so funny. We bought a building. And the woman that we bought the building from belongs to this Rotary Club. Oh. And so a few weeks later, we get a call. And she says, hey, I'm friends with, you know, so-and-so. You bought her building. I've got three buildings. My husband passed away. I'm 78 years old. All of us ladies in town want to move to Florida. Do you want to buy my building? <laughs> and we're like, nah, I guess so. And then, <laughs> then, then we get another phone call. Hey, I've got two buildings. And, you know, I'm 78. My husband passed away. You want to buy these buildings? And we're like, well, um, I guess, you know, because they're, <laughs> they're like literally just saying if you not even asking us to buy them like with a loan, like we'll finance it for you. You don't have to put any money down. Just send me a check to Florida every month. We all just want to move. <laughs> between all the sweet little ladies, we ended up with 20 buildings. Oh, wow. Now, are these massive buildings? Like, like how tall are they? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. These are like five, six, seven story buildings. Gosh, I think a couple, maybe a handful are, are like one floor. They're mostly four stories and up. Okay. Now were and, they office type buildings or were they like, uh, what do you have in them? And so some of, a lot of them were, were vacant. They had just literally been sitting there vacant for like a decade. So we, on the downstairs floors, they're all commercial. And we actually, I'm proud to say that we did a lot of work on the, each of the little studios, like downstairs to fix them up, make them look nice. The entire downstairs on all of our buildings, all the downstairs spaces are rented. Oh, wow. And on the second stories, most of them were apartments. And then above that, they were like offices, you know, for people that would just have like a 
like an accounting office right. or something like that. But we decided to make – we're just making them all into lofts. Oh, that's a great idea. That's what my yeah. hometown is doing. I grew up in a town exactly like you're mentioning, but in California. And um, my sister is – she was on city council. She's now the mayor. But they've started uh-huh. to approve a lot of that with the buildings that were – really becoming vacant and going into disrepair and they were two or three stories was you know get a cute little boutique or um, an ice cream shop that's kind of more trendy or some kind of little clothing boutique and then build lofts with a great view of the city up you know the next couple of floors or you know a co-working space in one of the buildings so all the young people can go and work together and then live in their lofts and it's a brilliant idea. Well, that, I'm so happy you said that. That is exactly what we decided to do. So we thought, you know, most of the buildings were vacant. And so we we did the the downstairs, the, you know, the first floor of everything. And we were very picky about who we let in because, you know, we had like, I remember one guy owned a mattress company and we were like, you know, the thing is a mattress company isn't going to bring people downtown to hang out for the day. Right. So we're like, no, I'm sorry. So then another company's like, hey, we have an antique mall. It's like, oh, antique mall, good for you. You can you can have a space. Another guy has a coffee shop that has all kinds of crazy coffees and cakes and pies, and they're all homemade. And I mean, people line up around the door like, okay, you can go. Another one's a clothing boutique. Okay, clothing boutique is good. So so we're just very cautious about who we rent to because we, even though we need the money for the rent, we also need the whole concept of the downtown to be a destination for the day. People come shop, they right. eat tea, they get coffee, they get a pie, they get something to eat, you know. Absolutely. Buy antiques. And so oddly enough, it's been two years since we started and the downtown now, it's really starting to bustle. And so we got a hold of the, pe- the people. I tell you, my husband and I, we just like bowl everybody over. We got a hold of the, the downtown. So now listen, y'all don't have anything going on here on the weekends. I watch Hallmark movies. There needs to be like a fall festival, <laughs> oh, summer yeah. festival. There needs to be a winter festival. There needs to be a pumpkin festival. And I gave him a list of like 25 things. And this is the first year they have actually implemented every single thing that I've suggested. That's like, so smart. And you're so you right. You to make stuff happen. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, that's my my weakness is I'm a Hallmark junkie. Me too. And oh, Christine loves that Hallmark. She's so addicted. When it gets to Christmas time, oh my goodness, it's Christmas every day since like what oh. they started like October. Well, then they have yeah. the springtime movies and the summer ones too. But you know, going off of what you're saying, Juan, is that's what made my hometown so special and why it didn't die as much is because yeah. every May, because it's a little Swedish town, so it has a theme. And then we have a Swedish festival every May and a crayfish festival in the summer, crayfish slash watermelon festival. And in the wintertime, it's the Santa Lucia Day Parade with all of the kids. And then um, in the spring, it's the car show. And you're right. It brings people and it's exactly what you're saying. Three blocks long is the downtown Uh And all the streets are closed down and they have the street vendors and all of the little boutiques and everything are open and it brings people from all around and they're like, oh, it's the cute little Swedish town and let's go buy our little Swedish keepsakes and oh gosh, the the new um, ice cream shop is open and they have the cute little dollar horses that we can pose with and oh, let's pick the flowers and oh, let's go out to the fruit stands. And and there's a specific vibe in small towns that draws people from the big cities into it on the weekends. Yeah, and that is exactly. So 
we came up with Christmas in case you know Hallmark does Christmas in July. <laughs> so right. I, I said we're going to have Christmas in July, and the first year we that was the very first year we were there, and people the other stores were like, yeah, we're not going to participate in all this stuff. I said, yeah. So one of the stores we opened up one of our buildings, we actually made it into an antique mall that we own. And it's on the corner, and it's big, it's 8,000 square feet. I was like, well, we're going to start doing things on our end of the street and see who picks up. So no one in town, they were like, oh, Christmas in July. We tried it one time, you know, 10 years ago, it didn't work out. It's like, all right, no worries. We're still going to do Christmas in July. Well, I've watched enough Hallmark. I had the whole thing planned out. But we have like <laughs> 800 people that came downtown to get pictures with Santa, to oh. buy all this Christmas stuff. And all of a sudden, the entire downtown says, listen. You tell us what you guys want to do, and we will participate in everything. Wow, yeah. <laughs> so now we have music on the avenue. So in the summer, every Thursday night, there's a car show, and there's a band. Oh, perfect. Walks off the street with, like you said, uh, Christine, the food vendors and stuff. Right. And we do a, something called a wine walk. So all the stores basically serve you a free little cup of wine, and you shop up and down the, the blocks. And the wine walk is good. And we did like a Halloween thing and a Christmas thing. And we're doing the summer, like a sort of a garage sale downtown. Oh, yeah. Like a, a community rummage market. sale. Yeah, 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 yeah. We do a, uh, a farmer's market. There's all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and this has all really been the last two years. And the people were like, oh, my gosh, you guys, I don't know what happened. You came to town and everything's happening. I'm like, no, we bought 20 buildings. We need everything to happen. Right. Right. <laughs> I've got but 20 buildings. I've got over $2 million in cash in this town. I can't have you guys doing one thing a year. That's not doesn't work for me. Right. Because yeah. you're literally invested in the health of the community. It's not just like you're a community member. Like, you want to see it grow and succeed yes. and not just yes. – sell it off. So that does bring me to a very important question. Now, you said this little town is in Iowa? Yeah, it's called Clinton, Iowa. So I was wondering, because, you know, Iowa is famous for corn. Do you mm-hmm. have like a corn shucking competition? A corn, during, a corn what now? Like corn shucking. Like, you you know. In it's a, corn shucking. Shucking. Like, shucking? You, yeah, you have to shuck the corn. Like you have you to, chuck it? Like, I'm going to throw it to you? No, shuck it. You take the... <laughs> You, it's like peeling it. He doesn't know what it means. Oh, my gosh. Because, you know, in those Hallmark movies, there's always some kind of little competition, whether yes. it's like making a gingerbread house. And so that would make your Hallmark movie complete okay. is if you have, yes. first of all, the corn queen during the summer. The corn queen. Yes. That's that's the, uh, the scarecrow, right? <laughs> no. And then a corn shucking competition where all of the, the you know, handsome, single doctors and widowed of course, of the course. widowed farmers and you know all yes. of the gentlemen and then the, and the, the single mom no the big the school si- teacher no the big city reporter comes out and you know <laughs> you know what's funny is uh this fall we did like a fall festival last year and i said we need like pumpkin bowling you know, you know all the stuff and and I wasn't able to get into town and kind of help organize it. Like, oh, I don't know. You know, it's a lot of work. I said, no, no, no. So this year, I've got a guy going to bring in a petting zoo, and we're going to do some corn shocking, and we're going to do where you make, you know, you set up uh, lanes with hay bales and do pumpkin bowling. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this interview with uh, Duan. Unfortunately, when we recorded this interview, for some reason, our sound card on our computer decided to crash and eat up our side of the conversation. Although 
Good news is we still retained Duan's side of the conversation. So we began to switch gears and talk more about the housing crisis and the housing market as it stands today. So the first thing we asked her is, are we in a housing bubble? Well, I have to tell you, honestly, I think we have a crash coming. Because, you know, people uh, back in March, it was like a year and a half ago, people got a reprieve on having to make their mortgage payments. And that all ends in June. The banks want people to start making mortgage payments in June. So what's going to happen is you, like one out of three people took that deal. One out of three houses. So you have a massive amount of homes where people said, oh, okay, you know, I'll, I'll let my mortgage payment slide. And now they're going to all be due. So I, the, I, I'm not 100% predicting, but this is what I feel. Interest rates have been extremely low lately. And that's why everyone is buying houses. So you all know, you put a house on the market, you get five offers on the first day, and they're all way above asking. But just because houses are selling above asking, does not make the house worth that much money. I know in Colorado, Florida, Texas, and I have people I know put a house on the market, and I have someone that put a house on the market for two fifty. They got five offers, and they sold it for three hundred. Well, just because it sold for three hundred, because everybody made offers, doesn't necessarily make the entire neighborhood now a three hundred thousand dollars neighborhood. So every house that's going on the market is getting bid up really high because. Interest rates are like one, one and a half, two percent. So that makes your mortgage payment so much less. So instead of you being able to afford a two hundred thousand dollar house, maybe you can afford a three hundred thousand dollar house with the identical mortgage payment. But again, that's like a false inflation because property values are not climbing. It's because interest rates are low. So how has the twenty twenty pandemic affected housing and new housing builds moving on right now? Yeah, so here's kind of like, uh, and I actually just did a webinar on this. This is sort of like the domino effect. So, for example, a piece of plywood was $18 last year. The exact same piece of plywood now costs $90. So what happens is now there are there are builders all around America that have poured the cement slabs and they cannot finish building because the building material is too high. So if you were able to buy plywood for you know, $18 a sheet and build a whole house. Now it's 90. Your, your price on your house is going to be three or four times as high to build the exact same house that did not go up in value. So here's what happens. That stops. Oh, it, I'm telling you, this is, it, there's a train, <laughs> there's a definite train wreck coming. So new building, new building builders have had to withdraw out of contracts. They've had to stop building in their tracks because the the extra cost of the material that just because you pay more doesn't make the house worth more money. If the house is in a five hundred thousand dollar neighborhood, it's still a five hundred thousand dollar house. If it costs you seven hundred thousand to build it, it's still a five hundred thousand dollar house. So what happens now is the new builds have come to a screeching halt. Now gas prices, as we know, went completely off the charts recently. So when the gas prices go high, the people in the stock market get nervous, then they raise the interest rates. So as soon as the interest rates go up, then the banks will crunch down on the lending guidelines and make it harder for people to buy a house, forcing people to rent. 
But when too many people rent at the same time, the landlords are like, hey, all these houses are renting. I can raise the rent. And then they start raising the rent. And when you raise the rent, the housing prices fall. That is exactly what's happening. Like as we're speaking today, this is what's cycling through the, our economy right now. So do you think it's possible that we may be seeing a bigger recession coming, like a big housing crash, like we saw earlier in like 2008? If they haven't been through, like I've been through 30 years, lots of cycles. So I can, and I'm not saying predict, but I can see the things that cause these crashes, crazy high gas prices. And then, you know, and that makes the stock market nervous. So the interest rate goes up. When interest rate goes up, banks are like, oh, hang on, let's tighten up the guidelines a little bit more. And then people that might have qualified can't qualify now. So then they have to force to rent. And, you know, like I said, if you have a couple thousand houses in a few, you know, miles in a 20 mile area, and all of a sudden there are a lot of things for rent, landlords aren't stupid. They'll notice how much rent, how many properties are up for rent. So they'll start raising their rent. And the minute you raise the rent, the property values fall, and then boom. Everyone is behind since last March. <laughs> Gas prices are high. Rent is super high. And then our economy, our housing prices go crazy. And so I started, I accidentally stumbled into short sales way back in the beginning of the 90s before it was even called short sales. So I actually have the registered trademark on short sales as it applies to real estate. And so for those of you that don't know what a short sale is, a short sale would be Maybe there's a you know a three hundred thousand dollar house and they owe three fifty because you know they just bought a house right now and prices went crazy but they lose their house so people that are upside down on houses they either owe what it's worth or they're completely upside down when they start losing their houses the banks cannot actually afford to foreclose on millions of houses at a time so this is kind of where investors step in and investors are like hey you know what I'll offer you a short sale. It's a $300,000 house. I'll pay $200 for it. The bank says I'll take $200 as a payment in full, which is called a short sale. And then the investor can take it and uh, rehab it or keep it for a rental or they can do something with it. So short sales are, are going to make a gigantic comeback because all these houses are technically upside down. And then when people can't start making these mortgage payments because there's no more extensions, we're going to have a lot of houses go on the market at the exact same time. And when a bunch of houses go on the market at the exact same time, as back in 2008, then you have, you have a housing crisis. Now, everybody's talking about this uh, payment deferment plan. Now, what is the difference really between a, uh, say, a loan modification and a uh, forbearance agreement? Well, see, here's the thing, Chris, and this is this is where... The average person doesn't understand the terminology. So there's two things. So I'm just going to give you like two, you know, real brief explanations. There's something called a loan modification. A loan modification would be, let's just say you two, you fell behind your payments, you you didn't work for a while, but now you have a job back, and you call the bank and say, hey, we're we're we can prove we're back on track, but we're eight payments behind. So the bank does what's called a loan modification. So they take your payments, they put them on the back of the loan, they usually lower your interest rate by one or 2%, and then they say, okay, for the next three months, you make a payment. If you make all three on time and make it through your trial, this becomes a permanent brand new modified loan that's brand new. 
So now you're you're out of the risk of foreclosure. Uh, you have usually a lower payments, and the old payments were put on the back, so your loan got extended. You know, whatever a year at the end. And so loan modification is a great thing, but you have to qualify for it. But if you pay attention to the news, what they did is they put everyone into what's called a forbearance agreement, right? But what a forbearance agreement, and this is why I feel like, like you know, I, I wish they would have explained this to people a little bit better. Because, you know, we are just like everyone else. We got a package in the mail. Hey, do you want to do this forbearance agreement? You don't have to make payments. And we were like, Hell no, <laughs> we're not getting involved. No. So what a forbearance agreement is this? Let's just say now people have missed 15 months of mortgage payments. So a forbearance agreement means that the bank will take all the payments that you're behind and they divide them out over maybe 12 or 18 or 24 months. And then they add it, whatever that amount is, just as for simple Simple, simple, simple. We'll say your payment, your mortgage payment is $2,000 a month. They divide it all out and it's 750 bucks a month. Now you pay your 2000 plus the 750 which goes towards all the payments that you missed. Yes. And the thing with a forbearance agreement is your actual loan stays the same. The money that you did not pay gets divided over a bunch of months. It's added on. But here's the thing. Once you start a forbearance agreement, the bank will go ahead and put your house in foreclosure status. So let's just say in California that your foreclosure sale date is the 10th of every month and and someone's in a forbearance agreement and, and it's due on the first of every month. They mail their 2000, they mail their 750, it's separate. And then they pay it for June and they pay it July and they pay it August and they pay it September. Then October they miss. And they miss the payment on the 1st. Well, the foreclosure sale date's on the 10th. The bank will just sell their house on the 10th. That is what a forbearance agreement is. And the hard reality is that I don't think anyone in America understands they are in a nationwide forbearance agreement, meaning that when you miss one payment, the bank can take your house. So let's just say that somebody who owns a house decides to go down the short sale process. What is that process like when they short sell at home? So on a short sale, so like and what's getting ready to come up right now, there's going to be tons and tons of people putting their houses on the market. They're going to owe more than it's worth. So what I, what I do and I teach all my students is to do short sales. Contact a homeowner like you guys, for example. I would contact you. I would get your house under contract. I would say, I'm going to call the bank. I'm going to ask to do a short sale. So the bank agrees, okay, we'll take this $295,000 house, we'll accept $150,000 as a full payoff, it's a short sale, then I'm able to buy it for $150,000, I give you a little bit of money to move with, I sell it to a rehabber, and they fix it up, and then they sell it, or a landlord, and they buy it, and they keep it, or whatever. But a short sale, the homeowner gets out of the situation. A loan modification, the homeowners can re-qualify and maybe not to the fullest extent, but they the bank can see that they're able to make payments. But a forbearance agreement is all in favor of the bank. You start making your forbearance repayment plan and you miss your payments, they just snap up your house. If somebody lets their house go to foreclosure and they let it go, when the bank finally takes a house back and you get kicked out of your house, what is that process physically like? So when your house goes to, now you guys are in California, so I think in California it's called a trustee sale. 
Uh, some states it's called a, uh, a sheriff sale. Uh, it's called different things in different states. So I always use the word foreclosure sale because everyone understands basically what it means. So when your house goes to the actual foreclosure sale and the judge says, okay, no one's here to buy the house, boom, sold. Then the bank, um, you have 40, 72 hours usually to get every single thing out of your house. And the bank will, three days later, will send the sheriff and some people and they will knock on your door. If you don't answer it, they'll bust it open. They'll take all of your worldly possessions and put them out on the street curb off of the actual property and change the locks and the bank owns your house. It is a, probably the most heartbreaking thing I have ever seen because here's what happens. Let's just say the homeowners don't really realize their house went to the sale yet. And now the sheriff shows up at, you know, eight in the morning, not 10 o'clock in the morning and they're at work. Well, their job is to change the locks and they move everything out on the street corner. Well, the neighbors see that and they're like, oh, it's a free for all. Everything's free. And the neighbors go through and pillage through every item. And you come home at five o'clock and there's everything you ever owned strewn all over the place. People have gone through your stuff, taken your furniture, your locks are changed, and you are completely out of your house. And that is exactly how it works, which is, which is why my company and the people I teach and my students, I'm like, we're going to work with people in foreclosure and we're going to help them get rid of their house before that ugly day comes. Because I have seen that happen a few times, and I am telling you, it is heartbreaking. Hey, Dewan, where can people find your services? Uh, actually, they can just go to my website. It's dwanderful.com. So D-W-A-N-D-E-R-F-U-L, dwanderful.com. But they can email me at info at dwanderful.com. And if anybody's like, hey, look, I'm in trouble um, we work in the entire United States. I've got students in almost every single solitary state. And anybody that reaches out and says, hey, I'm in that forbearance agreement. I can't make my payments. I don't want all my stuff out on the street. I, I can hook somebody up with almost anybody. Speaking of that process of actually being forced out of your home, Dwan here shares a true life story where she actually witnessed that thing happen. And you know, I'm going to tell you just a really super quick story. One time my husband and I, we were in... Uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and we were getting ready to teach a workshop there. So anytime before we do uh, a two-day live class, we drive around the area just to kind of see what's happening and see what's for sale. And we drove past this house and we saw, we saw the people, the sheriff and the movers, putting everything out on the street. So I stopped and said, hey, you know, did the house go to share? Yeah, where are the people? We don't know. And they put everything on the street. And, I, and then I saw neighbors starting to come. My husband and I sat there all day on the street with our cars parked there and telling people, none of this stuff, get away. You cannot go through these items. And we sat there all day long till those people came home because I could not bear the thought of knowing I just watched them move the stuff out and that those people would come home eight hours later and have nothing. And it rained and we stood there in the rain all day and ran people off because I knew these folks would come home to nothing. I even did a video. I'm like, here we are standing in the porn net. What are we doing? Do we know these people? No, but we know what's getting ready to happen to these people. And we can't, I can't, how can I do that? I can't let that happen. Yeah. They came home that night and they were like, what happened? What happened? I said, well, your house obviously went to sale. Yeah, but I thought we had more time. I said, well, you don't. 
It went to sale. We happen to be driving by. They moved your stuff out and we have stood here all day long and protected your items. So you can't go back in the house. This is change of locks. You can't go back in. You can't do anything. So you need to either go grab a U-Haul or go grab some friends or something because you got to get all this stuff off the street because if you leave it, the neighbors, the neighbors just think you moved out and they just think everything's for free. So they went and they called a few of their friends and they all came with pickup trucks and like, I can't believe you did this. And I said, well, you know, I've seen it happen before. I've never actually been right at the moment when it happened. And I said, I just, we didn't have the heart to, to let this happen to you. Cause I mean, like, you know, how bad would I feel all day knowing these people are going to come home and everyone's going to go through all their stuff. And they were just like crying. I can't believe, I can't believe it. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm just, I, all, all I knew to do was just to stand here and my husband, and I just kept running people off all day. <laughs> so they loaded up their stuff. They got their friends and they, lo- I said, take every single thing. Cause the minute you all pull away from this house, whatever is left, the neighbors think is free. And, and that was the only time that's ever happened where I actually witnessed it. But I have gone by many houses where, the stuff's been out and you see people going through it, but you don't really know if the people are living there or did they actually leave or whatever. But these people, you could tell they hadn't packed the box. They actually did not even realize that the house had just gone to the foreclosure sale. Dewan, where can people find your podcast and your books? So my uh, podcast is called The Most Wonderful Real Estate Podcast Ever. So I decided to have fun with my name and be wonderful. And uh, so I'm on Facebook at wonderful, Instagram at wonderful. Uh, my books are on Amazon. And uh, if they opt in at wonderful, I actually have four free eBooks that I wrote. Uh, one with Dan Kennedy, one with Steve Forbes, one on flipping houses and one on short sales. And it kind of gives people... Uh, just a little bit of an idea. Okay, these are some various things that are available to me. And they can kind of look at, you know, what they're interested in. And then we do every Monday, I do a live webinar every Monday called Motivational Monday. And we talk about what's happening in the real estate market every Monday night. So people can register and they can get on the calls. And like all the tips I gave you guys today, like that's stuff I would talk about, you know, on my Monday calls. Like, hey, listen, this is going on. This is happening. And get out there and become an active investor. And Let's help people. We're, we're, our job is to help people. I appreciate you both having me on. And Christine, you and I have got a little Hallmark event to plan in the little town of Clinton. Now, I'm going to hold you to that, girl. And listen, thank you guys. I, I love your heart and your spirit. I just love getting to know you guys today. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right, forget about the ones who don't, and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward.